Basketball Society. What's going on, everybody? It's Alex Fishbein back again with the Atlantic Files, and we are on to episode number 62. We are brought to you by way of Basketball Society and the Deepish Thoughts Podcast Network. And this week, we are also presented by MagX12. This is Magnificent Magnesium Cream. It is all natural. There is nothing artificial. Inside the cream, they have magnesium, coconut oil, shea butter, and essential oils. And pretty much what this is used for, if you go to a workout, if you go play some pickup basketball, if you're in a league, if you're still playing school ball, whatever it may be, you rub this cream on any of the places you get sore afterwards, and the next day you'll wake up feeling a whole lot better. I can tell you guys this from experience. I use this after basketball games, volleyball tournaments, workouts, whatever it may be. I put it on before going to bed. I wake up. I am significantly less sore than I was before when I did not have the cream. And here it is. The key here is there are no pills. There's no medicine. There's no anything like that to get hooked on or whatever it may be. This is a cream, all natural cream, and you just rub it on, wash your hands, you're good to go. And you can check this out on magx12.com. That is M-A-G-X-1-2.com. And for the month of August only, there is a special running. You must purchase a 4-ounce jar of the peppermint-infused cream and use the coupon code SOCIETY. That is S-O-C-I-E-T-Y, SOCIETY, and you will receive free shipping on your order. Just get that peppermint cream, and you'll be smelling like a candy cane while not feeling sore the day after. So, let's jump right into things. Obviously, if you have been catching, or sorry, if you've been following the NBA and the news in the NBA recently, you know that the schedule is out and we know who's playing who for the entire year here. And there are some main things we need to highlight. Um, first off, before we actually look at specific games and, you know, the beginning of the season and Christmas Day games, uh, there was a couple of charts tweeted out by Yaya Dubin. If you guys don't follow him, I recommend you do. He has a lot of... I mean, he has a lot of good basketball stuff. If you're a part of basketball Twitter, then you probably know who he is. So the two charts that he tweeted out that I want to look at uh, mainly here are, A, the most nationally televised games per team, and B, the strength of schedule for each team for pre- and post-All-Star game. So first things first, we have the most nationally televised games. Now, your guys at the top are going to be some of the most obvious ones. Golden State, Houston, Cleveland, OKC are the top four in nationally televised games. Golden State getting the most at 43 games. Um, I mean, these four teams should not be 
a surprise. Golden State and Cleveland, the two teams that have been in the finals the last two seasons. Houston especially getting Chris Paul now. OKC getting Paul George to go along with Russell Westbrook. I mean, these are going to be four teams that you want to watch all the time. And uh, coming in at fifth was a little bit of a surprise, but also since since they're the Lakers, I mean, you know they're going to get their fair share of televised games. Now, they are obviously all, like improving a lot more now, especially with the addition of Lonzo Ball, uh, Kyle Kuzma, um, the uh, improvement of Brandon Ingram. Uh, they now have Brooke Lopez. Like the team is going to be interesting this year, and I mean Lonzo Ball and Lavar Ball are both going to bring in a lot more TV time in general. So it was only a given that those guys were going to be up there. And then after that, the sixth team in this list finally coming in uh, to a, an Atlantic team. Here we have the Boston Celtics, which shouldn't be a surprise that they're the highest in the Atlantic because they're the ones that are closest to being a title contender out of the entire Atlantic division, especially with the addition of Gordon Hayward. So they have a total of 34 nationally televised games. That will be nine on NBA TV, 11 on TNT, four on ABC and 10 on ESPN. Now, obviously some of these games can be flexed uh, so that better games can be put on national, national TV. We've seen this happen quite often I know last season that happened with the Knicks a lot because they thought the Knicks were going to be better than they really were and we all saw what happened with the Knicks so they flexed them out of a few different nationally televised games so Boston could potentially get some more games they might potentially get less games it all depends what their season is like if I had to guess I would say they would probably get more especially if they start hitting the stride here with Gordon Hayward and Isaiah Thomas and Al Horford all working well together and especially with the addition of uh, Jason Tatum as well to go along with Jalen Brown. Um, I think they'll definitely be an exciting team to watch with the kind of prospects they have on offense. They have, you know, I mean, they have their high-flying guys. They have the guy like Jalen Brown who can give you some crazy, crazy dunks, and they they also have the guys that will also go out there and get you like 25, 30 points a game in Isaiah Thomas and in Gordon Hayward. And on top of that, I think that we're going to see a much more exciting style of game coming from Gordon Hayward himself, especially the fact that he's now going to be with his college coach, a guy that he looked up to a lot, a guy that he respects a lot, and there's a mutual respect there. So I think that there will be a lot more going on here for Gordon Hayward, and I think uh, he's really going to flourish in this system. So that'll make for some uh, really good TV. So after the Celtics, there are the Spurs and then the Clippers. I was a little bit surprised that the Spurs were kind of low, although I do know that a lot of people kind of look at the Spurs as if they were boring on television, which I guess I understand that from the average fan's point of view, you know, not the, the basketball junkie's point of view. Um, but like the average fan, they watch the Spurs, they're like, okay, they're not really a highlight factory. They're more of a team that is very cut and dry in what they do, and they go out and just get the job done. Um, obviously, Kawhi is a very fun player to watch, especially with his offense 
uh, continually improving. And where it's at right now, it's a, a very fun style of play to watch. But as I said, for the average fan, it's kind of like, ah, I mean, Kawhi's a really good player. We know he's a great defender. But watching them play against a team like OKC, where you have Westbrook going crazy and um, Paul George is, is good for some really big poster dunks every season, then the average fan is going to tune into one of those teams more often than the Spurs. Uh, and then after that, you have the Clippers. I was surprised the Clippers are this high. I mean, I know they still have Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, and sure, they're good for their own highlights as well, but they did lose Chris Paul, and this team doesn't look like it's going to be nearly as good as it was. So... I don't know, I'm kind of, I don't think the Clippers should really have that many national TV games, but I guess we'll find out. Um, And then after them, we have the Wizards uh, coming in at 28 national TV games, and then Minnesota 25, and then we had Philadelphia in the middle of the pack there, uh, a little bit higher than middle of the pack at 23. Uh, They actually have none on ABC, but they have nine on ESPN, five on TNT, and nine on NBA TV. Obviously, you know, the hype surrounding the Sixers right now was going to get them more TV time. I mean, we don't even have to account for the fact right now that some of those guys haven't played a game yet, but the fact that a lot of people have been hyping up the young core group here for the Sixers uh, uh, just played into the fact that the NBA was probably like, all right, we should give these guys some national TV time because a lot of people are going to want to see how these guys play together. Now, if these guys can't stay healthy, like I said before, flexing those games out of the national spotlight is probably what will happen, especially with the Sixers not knowing if Joel Embiid's going to play back-to-backs, not knowing if Ben Simmons will be there the whole time, if he's going to play back-to-backs or not, if he's going to be fully healthy. Um, and so at that point, if those guys can't stay healthy, it would pretty much be Fultz, Covington, and Sarich being like the main core guys that you're, that the average fan is going to watch. And sure, those guys can be exciting and they, it can make for some fun basketball to watch night in and night out, but not as fun if you take out the two potentially best players on the team. So they're another one to kind of look at and gauge as the season goes on to see if those national TV games stay the way they are. Um, after them, there is Portland at 21 games. And then after that is Milwaukee at 16. Now, this is a team, I know they're not the Atlantic Division, but this is a team that kind of, I was a little bit perplexed at a, at how low they are on this list for most nationally televised games because this is an up-and-coming team. This is a team that was very close to bouncing the Raptors out of the first round when the Raptors made it to the Eastern Conference Finals the season before. This is a team that has a guy who was in the top, uh, I think it was top 10 or top 20 in five major statistical categories last season, and he led his team in all of those statistical categories. I mean, Antetokounmpo is a very fun player to watch, and if he adds a shot over this offseason, like adds a solid jump shot, that man will, one, be a very good candidate for MVP, and two, 
be one of the most fun players to watch in the league. Uh, and adding to that fact, if you have Jabari Parker healthy, uh, Middleton being back, like this team will be a very um, fun and a very like the, the, the product will be uh, overall exciting. And a lot of people would get a lot of enjoyment out of watching this team play no matter who they're facing. Uh, and then after them, we have Denver, then the Pelicans, and then we get down to the Knicks, who have 13 national televised games. Uh, with the Knicks, I mean, if Melo leaves, they could be they could definitely be flexed out of some games. Say Melo gets traded for a guy like Kyrie, they might get some more televised games. But they're really... I mean, they're going to get their televised games anyway because it's New York. Because it's Madison Square Garden, and really, they're like the Lakers. Like, they can be the worst team in the entire league and still get plenty of national TV time because of where they are, because of who they are, and because of their history. So that that's just where they're at at this point in time. And then we get to Phoenix, Sacramento, and then down to Toronto. I mean, Toronto has been, like top half of the east the past few seasons and they have gotten no national tv love i mean most of their national tv games out of these 12 seven of them are on nba tv and i really don't even count nba tv as nationally televised sure that game on nba tv goes around the nation but it's not a part of the the standard tv package so you have the the people who are going to get this game are the only people that are paying extra for a sports package or for NBA TV itself. And then if you buy NBA League Pass, the NBA doesn't even broadcast their own channel on their own streaming service because, you know, that makes a whole lot of sense. So I don't really even count those. So really, they have about five national TV games, one on TNT and four on ESPN. So... They don't get that much, even though they're probably going to be around the same skill level that they were last season. Maybe even a little bit better. Uh, then we get to Dallas, Miami, Utah, Charlotte, uh, Detroit, Memphis. Memphis is another team that was like a, a good team, a decent team, and they get no national TV time either. Out of their eight games, five of them are NBA TV, so... And then you get to the bottom of the barrel, which is understandable. You get to the Chicago's, you get to the Orlando's, the Indiana's, the Atlanta's, and then at the very bottom, the Brooklyn Nets. Their only two national televised games are on NBA TV. This is kind of a given because I don't really know anybody who isn't a Nets fan that wants to watch the Nets. Heck, there's even a lot of Nets fans that don't want want to watch the Nets, so... Um, you're not going to get that many people wanting to watch them on national TV. Uh, but moving on here, we have the strength of schedule pre and post all-star game. So what this was based on was the, like the record that the teams had last season. So, Say uh, you're the Boston Celtics and you face teams who were all in the playoffs last year. Well, then your strength of schedule is going to be higher. And then 
it's the exact opposite if you start facing a bunch of teams who weren't in the playoffs. And so I'm not going to go through the entire list for this one. I'm just going to go through the Atlantic ones. Boston has quite an easy schedule. Um, so uh, the 500 level is, you know, even. That's, that's average uh, for the this strength of schedule chart. And pre-All-Star game, they have a 486. Post-All-Star game, excuse me, they have a 488. So their they're rank among the league for strength of schedule, uh, one being the toughest str- strength of schedule and 30 being the, lowest, the, the weakest, Boston is 27th in pre-All-Star game and 21st in post-All-Star game. So... With a team who just gained Gordon Hayward, and they really only lost Avery Bradley, they're facing a very easy schedule. I mean, what? yes, they are in the East, and the East is going to be a little bit easier than the West in general, but, I mean, this should be another cakewalk for them getting to first or second seed. So... I would be kind of disappointed in the season if Boston did not get a top two seed. If, you know, if we're just looking at strength of schedule, Um, just based on the fact that it looks like the team has improved, obviously gaining another all-star caliber player and their schedule is one of the weakest in the league. And just flat out that that should right there get you in the top two at the very least top three in the east um so then after boston this one's more in alphabetical order here so after them we get down to uh brooklyn sorry brooklyn was actually before them and brooklyn has one of the toughest schedules so (laughs) so brooklyn being one of the worst teams has one of the toughest schedules pre All Star game. They're at a 507 post. They're at a 502. Their pre All Star game rank is eighth toughest schedule in the league, and post is 15th. So, I mean, they go from one of the top 10 toughest schedules in the league to then right in the middle of the pack. And we're talking about a very young, very raw team who. They got rid of their previous best player, Brooke Lopez, and brought in D'Angelo Russell, who is another young guy who's really not going to be like that super dominant player because it's only his third year in the league. Um, They're going to struggle. It's going to be a really rough season to have this tough of a schedule while being one of the worst teams for the last few seasons in the NBA. Uh, They've even been worse than the Sixers at most points. And at a lot of points, that was tough to do. So for Brooklyn, I'm sorry, Nets fans, but it looks like you're going to have to strap in for another rough season. Uh, Hopefully you don't give another number one pick uh, to Boston, but I don't know. The way it's looking, you might. Um, So moving on now to the Knicks. They have... Right about middle of the pack strength of schedule. They're at a 499 pre-All-Star, 498 post-All-Star. So that gives them the 17th 
toughest schedule pre-All-Star game and the 16th toughest post-All-Star game. So they're right about middle of the pack. So, I mean, it could really go either way with the middle of the pack schedule. That that's Those are those teams that, you know, could have fixed like a few things here and there at the end of of certain games and could have won more than they did or they could have lost more than they did it's it's teams that really could have swayed either way and with the Knicks like I was talking about before I think this all depends upon if they're keeping Mello if they're trading Mello if they're trading Mello for Kyrie Irving or if they're getting rid of Mello and bringing in Kyrie Irving in separate deals Whatever it is, I think a lot of this is still contingent upon that, and it's contingent upon what they really decide to go for during the season. If they try to unload guys like Joakim Noah throughout the season, what exactly happens there? And the growth of Chris S. Porzingis, because we have seen him improving, but we need to see that consistent improvement if we really want to... to say that Porzingis is far and beyond the centerpiece of the team moving forward after that. So there's a lot of iffiness in there. So then we go down to the Sixers. Now, their pre-All-Star game strength of schedule is the second toughest in the entire league. They're at a 529. Now... Their post-All-Star game strength of schedule is a 449, which is the 29th. So they are the second weakest schedule post-All-Star game. Now, if they can weather the waters in this pre-All-Star game stretch, that might pay off dearly come post-All-Star game time. Because if they can stay like at least close enough to 500 or stay around 500, then hit that weaker, uh, weaker run of teams, then they can definitely get into the playoffs. That is definitely plausible. However, if they start hitting these tougher teams here in the beginning of the schedule... And say they lose some guys to injury or say they just, you know, don't get accustomed to playing with each other until the season goes on, then it's going to be a very tough uphill battle no matter the easier schedule or not trying to get into the playoffs. So that's going to be a big big test for the Sixers and we're going to see what these young guys are made of right out of the gates which honestly I think is pretty exciting because we're going to see like what these guys are made of what what kind of mental fortitude do they have what what kind of attitude are they going to move on with if they do hit a rough patch of like five six losses in a row whatever it may be can they bounce back can they come back from these back-to-backs maybe losing to a team like Cleveland by lots of points and then come back to win a game against say the Wizards or the Bucks or the Celtics whatever it may be that'll be something to look for Um, and then going on into Toronto they are another team who is in the top half of the east with an easy schedule uh, Toronto has the 488 pre-All-Star game, 487 post, which gives them the 25th uh, toughest schedule in pre-All-Star and 22nd toughest schedule in post-All-Star. Um, yeah, I mean, this is just setting up Toronto again to be 
first or second in the Atlantic. Uh, they pretty much are returning most of their guys uh, with a little bit of differences, you know, in getting rid of um, some some of the wing players and, and bringing in others. Uh, Carroll, uh, that was his name, who was for some reason escaping me for a second. Um, so they, they, they're probably going to finish around the same record, I would believe, uh, in that 50-win range and... It's going to all come down to playoff time again to see if Lowry and DeRozan can finally sustain their regular season uh, all-star caliber through to the playoffs. And so, um, if you guys wanted to know, the the weakest scheduled pre-all-star game is by the Wizards. Uh, the toughest pre-all-star game is for Dallas. And then weakest post-all-star is Charlotte. And toughest is Phoenix. So interesting games to highlight for the division. Uh, we have the first games of the season. October 17th is the first day of the season. We have an earlier starting date this year. They wanted to limit more of the back-to-backs. And first day, first game, 8 o'clock, the NBA League tip-off is Boston at Cleveland. That should be a pretty entertaining game. We're going to see if Kyrie's still on the team at that point. We're going to get to see the new and improved Celtics against that that Cleveland team that almost swept them. And it should be a fun one for the to, to kick off the entire league. Um, and then the next day, we have uh, the Sixers at the Wizards. So Markel Fultz versus John Wall. Uh, Simmons versus Otto Porter, um, and you got J.J. Redick and Covington versus Bradley Beal with Embiid down there as well. That should be a pretty fun game to watch. Then there's a very bad game, very, very bad game, Brooklyn at Indiana. That, uh, yeah, I don't know how that one's going to go. <laughs> uh, that That one will be a very rough game only on league pass and probably only fans of those two teams watching that game unless you kind of want to see a a train wreck and then there is milwaukee at boston so like i said they're trying to limit the back-to-backs a little bit but boston's getting hit with a pretty tough back-to-back right in the beginning first two games of the season going at cleveland and then taking on the bucks at home uh taking on Giannis. And, and company, that should be a fun game to watch as well to see how Boston takes them. And then the day after that, we have October 19th, the Raptors and the Knicks making their debuts. Uh, Raptors have a home game versus the Bulls. They should be able to take care of them pretty easily. And then the Knicks probably going to get a little manhandled there at OKC, taking on uh, Paul George and Russell Westbrook. And then the first interdivision games there, right after that October 19th, we have October 20th. There's Boston at Philly. That should be a fun game as well with that rivalry uh, in, in throughout NBA history up to now. And then the next night, Philly with a back-to-back, they go at Toronto. And that should be an entertaining one as well with uh, against Lowry and DeRozan and Abaka against the young guys. That should be a fun one. And then the last ones I want to highlight here are the Christmas Day games. We have the Sixers at the Knicks at noon. I was a little bit surprised about this game. I was thinking instead of Timberwolves at Lakers at 1030, I was really, really 
hoping and thinking that the Sixers would take on the Lakers because of the whole rivalry of Embiid and Simmons versus Lonzo Ball and company. I thought that was going to be like a gimme for a Christmas Day game, but apparently not. Uh, Instead, we get Sixers at the Knicks, which should still be a fun game. You know, Embiid versus Porzingis is always a fun matchup to watch, so that should be a good one. And then we have... Uh, the Wizards at the Celtics at 5:30. That should also be a good one with that rivalry going on, uh, with the whole you know Jay Crowder poking people in the nose and and John Wall turning into gang sign John Wall and tearing up the other team, and how how much those teams have battled through the playoffs and everything. That should be a fun a uh, fun middle of the lineup game, and uh, yeah. That's about it for the schedules right now. What we're going to do is uh, going forward, we're going to look to try and get some people on here to talk about some specific team schedules and kind of predicting the season as it goes on. Um, And so we will look at that later on down the road. And that's it for me. Like I said, guys, we are presented this week by Magnificent Magnesium Cream. Check their website out. It is www.magx12.com. That is M-A-G-X-1-2.com. Their special going on for August only is you must buy a four-ounce jar of the peppermint-infused cream and use the coupon code SOCIETY, S-O-C-I-E-T-Y, and you will receive free shipping on your order. You will feel great after a day of basketball, after a day of working out, whatever it may be. You rub that cream onto anywhere you usually get sore, wake up the next day feeling a whole lot better. Trust me, I use it all the time, and it is great. We are also brought to you by BasketballSocietyOnline.com by way of the Deepish Thoughts Podcast Network. I am Alex Fishbein. This is the Atlantic Files. Thank you guys for listening to another one. I'll catch you guys next week. Peace!